The problem is, Max, is that you've been you've you've been competent. The biggest mistake you can make when working for a company is to demonstrate competence because they they promote. It's called the Peter Principle. There's a book written on this, and uh, it's where companies continue continue to promote you to the point that you you're promoted to a job that you can't do anymore, and yeah. are therefore incompetent at it, and and or don't like it, and then you either leave or you'd stay in the job just not enjoying it or not being good at it, and and that's why companies deteriorate and uh yeah it's a phenomenon so what's going on in the coffee world this week oh my god hey listen i i you know t- t- tell me from your end we've we got a few things to talk about sorry i um, left you rambling and yeah i just keep me i'll be here you in fact you can just leave i'll, I'll just keep going <laughs> <laughs> sorry no i had Next the hour. open <laughs> i had the window slightly open and uh it, it came a <laughs> Literally, <laughs> I've got you know when when you get to know someone really well, you get to know the tells. As I like to call it like a poker thing. You get to know mm-hmm. the tells of when they're not paying attention, and especially when you're when you you know you've known someone a while and 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 you're prone to rambling on. Sometimes they go off and they do things. They, they'll mute the conversation. They'll go off and then they'll make a cup of tea, <laughs> take a bath, you know, <laughs> and every now and then they'll just. They'll just unmute it and they'll go, mm, 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 and then mute it back again. And you think that they're there, but they're not there at all. You know, they've left to go do some gardening. So, you know, there's uh, a number of things happened in, in the in the coffee world this week. Um, uh, and and we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to talk obviously about the, the beans that we reviewed um yes. which are very which are so almost say very interesting it comes out of habit actually they, they, they weren't that interesting you know the chances of us getting sponsored by any of these these roasting companies they're they're getting slimmer and slimmer as we yeah as i we. think so well, wait 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 wait. The, the the guys from brew up actually um he sent me a, an extra bag of coffee but um i i think i've given him quite a lot of money already so i think we're even <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's like a, they're like drug dealers, you know. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah you know, you put a lot of yeah. Have have a dime bag on me. Yeah. So, the, ah, by the um, way, did you receive the the um, unwashed ones? Yes, oh, okay. I did. And then I was going to thank you so much. Yeah, I was no going to, I was going to, <laughs> but I screwed it up because I was no. going to go and uh, and I love those beans. By the way, the, this is the Katega Hills uh-huh. from Alchemy. Uh, I really like those beans, and I screwed it up because I had a new grinder, and I and I thought, oh, you know, I'll um, I'll put them in the new grinder, and because it'll be amazing. But I should have dialed in the grinder first, and it's got one of yeah. those knobs that you have that that has got an infinite twiddle, so uh-huh. it goes from zero to nine. But then it goes around again, back to zero, and then another nine. And by the time I dialed it in, I'd, I'd finished all the beans and I hadn't made a single <laughs> cup of coffee with it. Oh, I was like, curse you, coffee you, gods. You started to twiddle the knob and you couldn't stop. <laughs> I'm going to order another. They were very nice. Uh, Joe, I think he's one of the directors there at Alchemy, uh, mm-hmm. is actually he's got a very interesting video that he made a while back on Direct Trade. I'm trying to contact him. 
to talk about uh, the direct trade that he's doing because um, uh, it's 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 um, I'm very interested in the angle. I don't know if you follow the issue with coffee prices and the the discussions that go on in the market. Oh. And I'm I'm, I'm I, I don't know whether my I don't know whether my opinion is controversial or not. I hope it's not. Um, but a lot of people, uh, and I've seen a lot of of big websites talk about we just need to raise coffee prices, uh, and we need to pay more for our coffee, and that's that's going to solve the problem. And it sort of shows a fundamental misunderstanding of what causes the problem. Um, and a lot of people blame the you know the 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 the, the financial markets because you know they're always you know and they, and they probably are to blame for some for some stuff, but they're it's just too simple an explanation for everything. But the problem is this, that the coffee farmers are poor and they don't get paid a lot of money. And if you want nice Arabica coffee, um, then people have to earn a living wage to make it. And if they can't, then they leave it and they abandon it or, or all sorts of other things can happen, right? So they might find a coffee price goes up and they abandon doing their, we're talking about the coffee price. We're talking about something called the C price, which is the commodity price. Uh, so mm-hmm. what price you'll get for a bag you sell or you'll buy on the market, uh, let's say at the the at the New York Stock Exchange, you, you'll you'll be able to to buy um, as a minimum quantity, but to buy uh, an amount of coffee, and that's the price on that day that you'll pay. And if that price goes up a lot, um, <clears throat> people will just people will just say, well, why am I making the speciality coffee? When I can, which is also harder and 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 more susceptible to disease and, and other problems, mm-hmm. uh, and I can when the price is so good for for regular, like you know lower quality commodity coffee, and so there's a number of different factors that go into that go into determining the the, the price and, and and sorry the number of different factors that go into determining how much the farmer gets gets paid, including things like you know. Coronavirus has impacted uh, everything from the ability to secure labor to go and uh, and and uh, get the harvest in. Uh, it's impacted logistics. It's impacted coffee shops. And there's so many variables in there that affect all of this. And the the issue is actually one of volatility more than it is of um, of just uh, of just paying more for your cup of coffee at at your local coffee shop. It's about being uh, having stability and about coffee farmers knowing that if they're going to go into this business of growing speciality Arabica beans, that they're going to be able to get a uh, a living wage out of it. And um, and so confidence and knowledge is uh, is 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 more important. Like having the confidence that when I start out this season, that I'm going to be able to put food on my table for the year is more important than whether the price is high or low at any one particular time. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, what we were saying earlier on about me rambling on, I've sort of rambled on about it. <laughs> That's all right. I can't even remember why, what, what the point was, but, but, the, uh, but I had prices. a number of... Yeah, I had a number of uh, coffee stories today. That this week we had another couple of stories. Um, I did a great interview. Uh, Max, go to the podcast after this is finished. Go to the podcast section. I only put it up this morning. Mm-hmm. I did a great interview with a guy I met um, called Tom Hackett, and uh, Tom is uh, he, he runs a charity and he builds houses for coffee farmers. 
Oh, nice. He goes out to Honduras, right, into yeah. the middle of nowhere, and and he's and and he and he himself has got his own personal story as to why he does this. But he goes out, and and he and he and he raises money through through uh, delivering experiences for for people who want to go out and and get involved in direct ah direct trades we're talking about so anyway so he, the first thing is is um uh, go and check out that put that that podcast it's sort of a, a video it's a video zoom thing so it's a bit sort of jumpy and whatever but it's um it's really interesting it was an amazing guy really amazing guy but direct trade and alchemy so this is going back to the Katega beans that that i that i'm that i really liked that you sent me uh, uh-huh. because you didn't like them you didn't finish them no and I, <laughs> and I loved them i gotta tell you they're probably my favorite beans so far and mm. uh and that, that we've tried and um and the alchemy were one of the companies uh that that got involved i was watching one of the youtube videos uh and joe the director there was um was talking about how he got involved in direct trade with the farmers. So if you imagine that you've got at one end of the scale, you've got the C price, which is, you know, you, you just go on the stock market. What's the price of coffee? Great. I'll take, you know, five tons, whatever you have to buy. And, and that's your price. And you're getting pretty sort of low quality coffee. It's nothing special. Right. And you got a price for Robusta and you got a price for, for Arabica. And then uh, in the middle, you've got fair trade. Um, and the fair trade uh, is there someone at the door. Yeah. Is, do you need to get it? Uh, no, no, no. My wife got it. Okay. So then in the middle, you've got fair trade, and fair trade put out something on their site fair saying trade. we should just pay more for coffee, which I, I think just totally misunderstands how, you know the problem. Um, and I understand they're trying to do a good thing, but I, I think they, they don't they don't they haven't gone that their article was misguided. Um, so. Uh, they just say if you pay, if you pay more for coffee, it'll just it'll just somehow get to the farmer, and that's that's not the case. Mm-hmm. So um, so then uh, some big big coffee buyers like Olam are talking about um, talking about making a sustainability fund, which actually had some some financial mechanisms in there that made sense uh, in terms of controlling the volatility, hence the prices. And then at the other end, there's the direct trade, and the direct trade. I think it was really pioneered by uh, a, a few roasters, um, Intelligentsia, if you've heard of them, uh, I think we're one of the early ones. He said, you know what? Why are we buying coffee from other people? Why don't we go out to Colombia, to Brazil, to these places, you know, Honduras, and and meet the farmers and, and talk to some collectives and, and do an arrangement with them, right? And in some cases, they help train them and say, hey, listen, these are the kinds of beans that we want. This is how you choose. This is how you do the selection process. This is how we want them processed and quality controlled. And they got really directly involved in that process. And uh, and and then they would buy the beans from them and they'd pay a significant amount more, a significant premium over the C price. And the C price is important because if you take, if you go to Colombia and you're a coffee farmer. It doesn't matter how good your beans are. If you go down to the Coffee Growers Association where you sell your beans, the price they're going to pay you for those beans, which might be the best beans in the world, will be the C price of the day. Mm-hmm. There's no differentiation. So uh, the direct trade model is really interesting to me 
because these are guys who have made you know a huge effort into building relationships and making sure that their supply of coffee is coming from people that they know and in a way that that they've controlled that 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 whole growing process so when you're buying beans from from them who are doing direct trade you're buying beans from a company from a roaster who who understands the entire chain supply chain of 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 coffee and you know that that coffee farmer is getting significantly more than even under under a fair trade coffee label do you see what i'm saying yeah yeah so um so this is a very long way of me saying that i i i'm going to the next beans that we go through, I'm going to try and I'm going to try and find uh, direct trade companies as much as possible to yeah. to try beans from, because I think that's a fairer model to to farmers, and I think that I'd be very interested. But I I'd strongly believe that that the the beans should be of a higher quality. What do you think? I think I think I think so too. I mean, it's always good to go directly to the farmer. Obviously, if you if you have a, a company that uh, pulls together all the farmers, is always better. Uh, yeah you know it's exactly. uh, you can also do that in smaller scale uh, you can have consortiums uh, that's typical of wine for example uh, I, I mean i come from tuscany it's exactly and, uh, exactly yeah. the same and there's lots of consortiums of of uh, wine so there are different wineries the problem is that it doesn't uh, always uh, couple with quality because for example if you have a single uh, a single vineyard you know that throughout all that vineyard, you have the same process, you have the same terrain, yeah. you have the same uh, harvest. You go, you're you're absolutely right. At the same time, when instead, if you go to different to different uh, wineries or to different owners, you start having inconsistencies. You have people that, for example, I don't know, they they have the hills on on different sides. The one is facing south, one is facing east, for example, or they have yeah. a different terrain, or they harvest at different times, because yeah. it's very possible, uh, or yeah. they have a different um, um, different part in the process. So that basically ends up diluting your uh, your your qualities or making an average of everything, which in some it's cases is good again, right? Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's the consistency again. So most, you know, there's a reason why people blend beans, right? Yeah. And, and the reason why is just as you said there, if you go, if you're reliant on one farm and that farm has a problem, whether it's quality control or just you know, pest issues or just it, it, it's that, that, you know, didn't get rain that season or the, the, mm-hmm. the kind of shades they want, whatever. Then, In um, a way, actually, that's a, that's a good thing. Yeah. You know the typical thing. Oh, I want a Chardonnay uh, from the. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know Chardonnay. Why? Why did I say a French wine? <laughs> um, <laughs> I want. Uh, I want a Chianti uh, Villa di Evole from nineteen ninety eight or uh, two thousand and five because I know that in two thousand and five it was a very hot summer, and uh, yeah. it's it's a famous year for good wine, for example. Yeah. So you know that those are the good years. Mm. If you if you have a blend, well, whether it's uh, from two thousand and five or whether it's uh, from nineteen seventy seven, doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. You just put in a tag on it, and uh, older wines typically uh, are more valuable because they didn't have uh, such stringent um, 
QC quality controls now that they have nowadays. Right. I mean, if you if you take up any bottle of wine, you take any Chianti, you will have typically the same color. So it's a hundred percent Sangiovese, which is wrong. It's not Chianti actually, and in certain cases they add even dark uh, grapes to make it more dark, which is not again a Chianti, and. Um, they will always, no matter the year, they will always have 13.5% alcohol. Now, how is that possible? That is possible mm-hmm. because you select the yeast and you add it to the to the grapes and you harvest at the same time, you adjust for the water content and for the sugar content so that you end up having the same amount of alcohol in the wine because otherwise, if you do it by fermentation, it's impossible to have always the same right. amount. I mean, 12.5%. How is that possible? <laughs> Max, we're, we're going down a rabbit hole. I, I tell you yes, what, and it's my fault. No, 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 it's it's my fault. I went on about it, and and uh, and uh, I'll. I'll uh, but we'll just bring it back to uh, coffee and the specific coffee that we we're reviewing uh, this week, which uh, which is the um, where did it come from? It came from Bean Brothers, Beanberry. It yes. came from Beanberry, uh, and. Um, we ha- I actually picked this because I thought it might be one that you that you liked. And so I you went were so right on it. <laughs> I tortured you before with uh, with the fruity coffees that you don't like. I thought it's I better be nice to Max or he's not going to talk to me. And uh, I, I hunted out um, an espresso blend uh, called uh, JavaScript from from Beanbury. And and interestingly here again once again we we slightly diverge because I wasn't blown away by this coffee i mean it was it was nice <laughs> but i wasn't blown away but but you loved it tell me tell me what what, um, what your experience was with it first of all how dare you not liking it <laughs> how dare you I didn't, I didn't like it i'm just saying you know it wasn't it wasn't it didn't it didn't change my world man that's the bestest coffee we tried <laughs> um no the, the first uh, so Typically, what I what I'm after in coffee in coffee is um, the the chocolate flavor and uh, the, the the bitterness, the, the actually the aftertaste of the, of the bitterness that leaves you you yeah. know with a, with a sweet mouthful. Especially when you make espresso, because when you make espresso, especially when there are acidities, I find them too pungent, and I think my palate is a little too sensitive to it, so I get always overpowered by it. If there is a little mm. bit of acidity, I just shut down and uh, that's the only thing i can taste mm. this coffee the first coffee i made was um you know standard grind for um, on my uh, md gadget mdf which is a very average grind uh, yeah i didn't mm-hmm. write it in the in, in the spreadsheet i have my notes in the in the, in the lab book in front of me mm-hmm. <laughs> and um Yes, so I made that coffee very quickly, and I found it that it runs actually quite fast. But uh, it had a very nice crema. You can you can tell that it's a dark roast because there's a very thick crema yeah. because of all the oils that um, that that make that that nice and thick texture of it. Um, and this is typical of dark, darker roasts. And mm-hmm. as soon as you make it, you can smell the coffee. You can you can have this very strong smell of actual coffee you know when you when you when yeah you, open, you, uh, you do you get a nice you, smell from it it's a nice yeah. aroma for sure and then you taste it and you it's like someone hit you in the face with a chocolate bar 
Yeah. <laughs> which is which is not a bad thing at all. Yeah, it's it's amazing. It's actually a slightly melted chocolate bar, so it's not it's not painful. <laughs> <laughs> and both me and the wife, we were actually just you know we, we tried it and we, we both went, ooh, <laughs> so good. It was it was right. really nice. Um, then, funny enough, over the, the the course of the of the beans, I've I've been trying to chase that uh, chocolateiness. And mm-hmm. I kept losing it. I think I got mm-hmm. it. I got it by luck the first time because uh, it was a very, uh, you know, uh, coarse grind, and it was running too fast. So I, start, I started trying to to grind it um, finer and to load more coffee. Mm-hmm. The finer I was grinding it, the more acidity I was getting out of. Um, they were actually claiming to have um, some uh, orange. And that you can actually taste the orange on the back of the mouth after you after you have it, right? And that's the acidity that comes up. But then they were called, claiming brioche and caramel. Now caramel I can understand, but brioche that was a little. Out I there. was I was fascinated by that claim of brioche. I'm like, uh, okay, <laughs> how would that even taste? You know, I'm gonna talk about this another time. But but I was in a chocolate tasting. Mm-hmm. Uh, webinar last night and uh, the question that somebody put to to the the audience it's by a company called coca runners if anyone's interested it was actually very very good um, but uh, one of the questions people said is like okay you always suggest you know in this when you're eating these chocolates and i think it's the same with the coffee mm-hmm. uh, you look at the packet it says tastes of this this and this if they didn't say those tastes, would you actually taste them? Are they not putting in your brain the suggestion of the taste? Very and cool. the professor's answer was actually was actually very good. It was very insightful. He said that he didn't think so, that the taste existed. He said what it actually does by, by putting down the, the flavors or the tastes uh, that, that you should experience in there is it helps you articulate what um, – what it is that you're experiencing. And a lot of people have problems saying, what, what, what is that? It's not like biting into an orange. It's not like eating a chocolate bar. Um, but when someone says chocolate and orange, and now you taste it, you go, there it is. It's not a figment of your, it's not a figment of suggestion. It mm-hmm. is, it is helping you, especially people who haven't got like expert, you know, palates like, like most of us. Um, right. <laughs> Yeah, right. Certainly for me, for sure. I really struggle, mm. but it helps us articulate what the uh, what the flavors are. So, I think that, yeah. explains, that explains that. Yeah, to me. So, given my background <laughs> as a scientist, I'm actually I end up looking for them because if it's written there, it must be there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Where is it? it? Yeah, it sends me down these uh, these rabbit holes, and I, I never know what <laughs> what I'm doing at that point. I, I start. Uh, you know, going on a tangent and I'm okay, I need to grind finer. I need to atomize the coffee or anything. <laughs> and, and I, I end up making messes and then, okay, I, I have to start over. So to me, if, if anything, it's, it's actually um, slowing me down or dragging me down if anything, but mm-hmm. it's, um, I, I like, I, I like to, to read it because I'm curious then I'm like, okay, where is it? How, am yeah. I extracting it right? Because then I, I'm benchmarking it. I'm benchmarking my extraction with uh, with the flavor that they claim. So right. then I, I'm like, okay, have I done a right, the right extraction? This am I extracting 
how it should be extracted? Am I am I taking the tastes and the balance uh-huh. as it should be? And I t- tend to forget that it's actually not trying to match what it should be, but try to find what I like. Yeah, uh, that's true. It's true. It's a, and I, I, do you know, because I know that you hate acidity, and this is the one thing that made me question it, but um, before I bought it, was that the process for this was both a mixture of washed and natural. And the natural, uh, the 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 natural processed coffee, um, always has a lot more fruitiness. So I was a little bit concerned, but but that I guess that's where they get the orange from. Very possible. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, I think it's pretty worth actually just just running through what this what this coffee is because it is. When you read it, it's very interesting. For an espresso, this read like a perfect espresso. Oh, yeah. This is, I mean, to me, it was perfect. I mean, it was uh, absolutely, uh, you know, by the book, espresso. Uh, we loved it. And I'm actually going to reorder it. Uh, because There you go, Beanbury. Sponsor us, damn it. Yeah. This, is, uh, this, is, this was actually one of my favorite coffees I've ever tried. Yeah. <laughs> I had uh, so I'm going to read off what what this what what goes into this coffee because given what we've talked about yeah uh, given what we've talked about it has um, it's it, it it's sort of interesting so first of all it's not a single origin right it's it's from three places it's from Honduras Colombia and Rwanda and all three of course um, uh, places that make really good quality coffee they're they're, they're known for 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 having great quality beans. Mm-hmm. It's a mixture of washed and natural, which, um, which again, was, that really intrigued me. Uh, and they're quite high up, so 1,500 to 1,900 meters. So, so I can't remember what, what size the beans were, but I think they were quite they're small tiny. beans. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's quite high up. Um, and they've roasted it, as you say, for, for espresso. Now, here's what they write on their, on their site for this particular, for this particular uh, roast. They say, JavaScript is our seasonal espresso blend, roasted to take full advantage of high pressure and pace brewing style of increasingly omnipresent espresso machines. This coffee is uh, crafted to shine as espresso. So one thing that, that, that went off in my mind here was when they said um, roasted take full advantage of high pressure. I'm, I'm wondering, because we know that a lot of um, home espresso machines run at too high a pressure. I'm wondering if there's, if there's something that you can change in the roasting process that makes these espressos taste nicer under less than perfect conditions where uh, home espresso machines have been have been um, out of the factory, come come set to uh, to, to to push it beyond nine bar. Do you think yeah. that I mean, am I being silly? What what do you think? No 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 no. It could be. So the the I'm gonna just do a, a little bit of nerdiness here. Just gonna drop it very quickly. the The reason why you have such high pressure is not that it extracts better, but it's that uh, it. It can sustain a higher flow rate with um, a, a finer grind. So your back pressure generated by the coffee can be overcome by the pump. So if instead of uh, having I don't know uh, at uh, nine bar and uh, a normal grind, you have uh, an espresso in thirty seconds. That means what? What is it? Thirty ml in thirty seconds, which is uh, what 
60 ml per minute flow rate. Mm-hmm. So that's the speed of the water through the coffee. Mm. And that has a certain amount of a certain time of interaction of the water of each molecule of water through the coffee puck. If you have a, a stronger pump and you have a smaller, a, a finer ground, you have a much higher uh, surface area for each right uh, each particle ground, and you have the same flow rate. You can have the same flow rate, sort of. the The thing is you reach a point where there is no point in going finer because you're already wetting the particle all the way through. So mm-hmm. I don't know if that is around nine bar or less, oh, sorry, or, um, mm-hmm. or more, oh. where you mm-hmm. don't, uh, where you, when it doesn't, doesn't matter making particles smaller because they get wet anyway. Yeah. And I know also another reason people, some, uh, some manufacturers do it. I know Gagia does this. Uh, it's the reason why the Gagia Classic comes with uh, with a higher pressure is because they also put a pressurized basket in there, so you can yes. just take yeah exactly. So, um, so you, you can use pre ground coffee and 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 you know if you if you don't have a grinder, um, yeah, you, just, you can wash it with a baseball bat. It's pretty much the same. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, we've talked for thirty one minutes. I've rambled on. We've given we haven't given Paul Beanbury probably enough. Um, yeah, one thing that actually I wanted to add on it, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, please. That, uh, one thing I found is that after some time, I've lost the chocolate. And I was, I, I went back okay. and re-extracted in the same way I started the first time, and it wasn't as chocolate as it was. So it made me wonder, am I actually losing these flavors because of storage? Because once the, the, the beans are open, and uh, wow. it was just a, um, a few days, just maybe a, one or two weeks. Well, after. you... You've got me onto a subject that I wasn't planning to talk about on this on this uh, podcast. I was going to do it on, I think, the next one or the one after. But um, it was the difference between roast dates and best before. And where you've got a roast date, you know that you're going to have some um, release of carbon dioxide for a, about a week. Mm-hmm. So depending upon who you ask... Um, most people, I, I understand the consensus is that you need to let that coffee sit for about a week after it's been roasted before you start using it to get them to get the right flavors out of it. And then it's generally as long as it's stored in a sort of a, a cool, dark, dry place, then not the fridge, then uh, you're good for a couple of weeks with that coffee. So where the t- and then the tastes go flatter and flatter. So it it might be that if we're losing taste in a coffee later on, it might be that it's at the tail end of those two weeks, um, potentially. Uh, it depends on when it was roasted. But I do think, I think, I should have made a note of this, I normally do, that the beanbury didn't say when it was roasted. It had a best before date on it. Uh, and that so- always makes me a little bit, you know, I don't, I don't like it. I mean, your, your friend from brew up does the same thing. He has a best before date, which is fine for most people. But, but for someone like myself, I want to know actually when it was the roast date, tell me the roast date. And then I can, I can then know when's the the sweet spot for when I should be, I should be grinding it. I see. So, um, I'm going to run through my, my, it is also an organic coffee. I should say if that's, if that's important to people. Should um, be. Uh, I should say, from my point of view, 
I definitely got the chopped it out. And I got some great ristrettos from this as well. Um, I made I made some uh, some of the best ristrettos I did make with this. In fact, I actually probably would say I preferred this as a ristretto and as a Americano. Uh, not to say I didn't make nice espressos. I just I, the espressos just didn't blow me away. Mm-hmm. Um, but the ristrettos were were really good because had a lovely mouthfeel. It had a lovely mouthfeel. Um, it had great chocolate, and you can definitely taste the orange uh, as well. Um, I, I I found it mediumly hard to dial in. Uh, it wasn't as hard as, as some of the other ones, but I um, you did have to twiddle a little bit. You did have to play around to get to extract all those, as I guess you do for for, for most coffees. Mm-hmm. Um, but but what I found was as as you change the grind settings, and, and it wasn't just the grind settings. I I've actually started to run shots longer. I thought I'm going to start breaking some of the rules. I'm I'm tired of these rules that say it can't go longer than 32 seconds. Well, I've run some for 40 seconds. Did I run one of these? Oh, finally, <laughs> I ran some for yeah, I ran some here for 38 seconds, um, where the mouthfeel kind of deteriorated. Um, but, uh, but, but it's still very pleasant. It was still very pleasant. 40, uh, what did I run this for? 38 seconds. Yeah. 38 seconds. I had, um, I, 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 yeah, it was going a little bit flat at that point, mm-hmm. but I was running them for maybe not this coffee. I was running other ones for, for longer and, and finding that actually where you're a little bit acidic, you run sometimes a little bit longer. Um, and and it doesn't matter that it's broken the rule because if you get a delicious espresso at the end of it, then that's what's important. Exactly. But for this coffee, uh, I I I I got my best results. Let me see. I think I also got my I got my best. I got some of my best results early on with ristrettos. I then went through a period of time where I generally either screwed it up or I didn't get the best. And then right. in the end, I got. Um, I got uh, I got a perfect balance actually between the chocolate and the orange, and I was running that uh, I was running that at a slightly higher temperature. I've got that PID device on the Gaggia, so I ran it at a at a higher temperature than normal. I think I ran it at ninety four and a half uh, degrees, uh, quite a fine setting for thirty seconds, and I got the perfect balance there for of chocolate and orange, um, with a medium to light mouthfeel, uh, no bitterness. No bitterness, which for me is is good. I don't mind a little bit, but I don't really want I don't really want a taste of bitterness, um, and a really pleasant chocolate aftertaste. So uh, I would definitely this is a this is uh, this could be a go to espresso. I mean, if you, it is, it's boring to have the same espresso week in week out. Um, if I was going to rotate between say three espressos, this 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 would definitely be one that I'd try again and see if I couldn't. Um, couldn't because uh, I think it's one that will will please a lot of people, right? There's no yeah. there's no offensive tastes in there, and also it's a little thing, but it's kind of an important thing. Um, is that uh, is that um, you need to you need to have a in my opinion you need to have a a hopper that you put this straight into. Uh, as opposed to the the bag for this, my only gripe about the way this is it's a lovely, it's a very cute bag, mm-hmm. but it's a bag I can't get my hands in. And the way I measure out the way, I don't know if I'm the only one that does this. 
I, the way I measure out my beans is I measure them out uh, and I do one you know, single dose at a time and I measure my beans on a scale and then I put that into the hopper. And with this one, I couldn't do that. I, I had to um, open up this little bag. I couldn't get my fingers in. So I'd have to shake. I tore the bag open. That's right. It hasn't got, some of the bags have got like the, the brew up. Mm-hmm. It's got, I think it's a little tear off thing at the back where you can tear it off and it opens up nicely. Uh, this one, if, I think if I remember correctly, and forgive me, uh, Bean Brew, if I've, if I've done you an injustice here. If I remember correctly, oh, let me, I think I've got a photograph of it. I think yeah, it has a yeah, ziplock at the top. You have to tear it. You have to tear the whole top. And the problem with that was I tore it and it was uneven. It was an uneven tear. So, and you can't get your hands in. So you have to, you have to then pour it from the bag because it was an uneven tear. It would always go all over my kitchen counter. So (laughs) (laughs) was that just me? Did did you, I bet you used scissors, didn't you? Uh, No, I tear it open, but uh, I also don't put my hands in the bag uh, because of my job. I I don't touch the the things I, I measure. No. Yeah, yeah. I, that was I only, always way out. I love the look of the bag. It's good. It's very nice. It's very sort of yeah. It's very nice looking. But it wasn't practical for me. Um, but the coffee itself uh, made a a nice espresso from my point of view. Um, a a very nice ristretto, mm-hmm. uh, and Max pretty much loved it. Would you say this is your favorite espresso? I think you- this is my this is my favorite. One of my favorites. The the the, the thing that actually. St- stops me a little was the inconsistency of my extraction that uh, right. after a few days even going back to the original protocol i couldn't get the same flavors which was a little odd so mm-hmm. i don't know if it's uh, maybe my storage that wasn't tip top uh, but or or the the fact that uh, the chocolatiness uh, decays fast because you know it's all different um, different chemicals and they have different right. half lives so it might be something that does, doesn't have a very long half life well you know this is the fun of espresso so anyway yeah. you can head over to beanberry uh, beanberrycoffee.com which is where you get it from it's the javascript espresso which is organic it was 7 pounds 50 um, from them i think quite there was pricey, some shipping though. sorry it was quite pricey Considering... No, seven pounds No, that's all no. right. That's a decent price for for a coffee like this. But you put some shipping on top of it. It's eight pounds. To be honest with you, all the coffees we buy are around the sort of the eight eight pounds yeah. something. Okay, we better wrap it up there, Max. Thanks so much for spending your Saturday with me, and I'm going to see you next week.